0: This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures! Uh, half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy!
1: <laughs> this episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Traveling Team. I'm Paddy. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Trisha and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventure in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing, half-measure style. Kia ora, Koto, and welcome in to another episode of Half Measures, the weekly podcast where we unequivocally let you know what you should be watching. Dan, I feel like I didn't say unequivocally quite correctly, but I'm going to let—I'm just going to let it stand because you know who's going to re-record this. Uh, this is episode 48. Although I was just looking on IMDb, and I see they've classified last week's episode as season two, episode three. So who knows? Um, but what I am sure of is that I'm joined, as always, by. Dan Whiting and Dan if this is season two of Half Measures I probably expect a bit more of a cliffhanger for last season to be honest
0: my OCD already feels very triggered that that is not right in IMDB uh we're going to get some people onto that is the the social media manager going to remedy the situation or am I going to lie awake in bed twitching each night until it's yeah until it's fixed
1: we'll get in touch with them and try and sort that out right
0: yeah, I think you're right. Though if we were going to have a season two, I would have, I would have liked to end on a bit of a cliffhanger and a, I don't know, maybe a a Walking Dead, Negan, mm. semicircle Some, situation.
1: Someone doesn't make it through to the second season, right? Yep. Yeah.
0: Who's, who's um, the new Who's the new co-host?
1: Correct. Um, and also, having Starscream introduce us this week is more poignant than ever because, of course, this week we're going to talk about the Netflix series. Transformers War for Cybertron Earthwise, which um, I know you and I have been looking forward to seeing for some time. So um, we can look forward to that later as well, Dan.
0: Did you just say Earthwise or Earthrise?
1: I feel like I'm drunk and I haven't I haven't been drinking. <laughs> <I> th- <like laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go. I think it's because – so before
0: this episode started, for everyone out there um, – Paul was commenting on how, with my headphones, I have one off my ear, and so Paul has sort of copied me for this episode, and I feel like his equilibrium has completely gone off off whack. Uh, that's, that's,
1: it. that's it. I put both it. It's too hot. That's the problem. This office has no um, there's, there's no aircon. You know, we need a better studio, down. Where's Where's Can we use some of the funds?
0: Well, you know, this is probably a good time to really drive our uh, Patreon message home. If you'd like to support uh, the Half Measures podcast, then uh, check out our show notes below. And maybe you'd like to throw us a buck or two and maybe help us get air conditioning in the Half Measures studio.
1: Correct. That would be really much appreciated. Thank you very much. Yeah, because it's, it's summer and uh, it's, it's pretty hot here in New Zealand.
0: Hot indeed. Indeed. Well, Paul, it's probably time to get into the show.
1: It is. Tradition dictates. Dan, what have you been watching this week?
0: Well, I've been watching a few things as per usual, a couple of wildcard things, a couple of things that we've been previously talking about, but the very first thing that I've watched is a real random show. This is on Neon here in New Zealand, and I don't know how I started watching it, I think I was just in between TV shows, and I was like, I need something just kind of lighthearted, something I don't really care about, and I started watching this documentary on Neon called One Star Reviews. And so, <laughs> please tell me. That, please that, tell me
1: we went on the show.
0: <laughs> we, we were every episode. And so, basically, what the premise of the show is is it's about a guy in America who basically looks at at, at products or services that are reviewed at one star, and then he goes and tries out the experience for himself. It's ridiculous it's kind of like filmed and kind of a a really sort of like half measures type way the host is kind of enjoyable um Taji Amin but it's it's just kind of a wild show where he tries out like like a a dating coach or um a body piercing place or all sorts of just sort of weird and wonderful like terrible motels across America and he just sort of goes and documents the experience and then he'll, he'll give it a review to see whether it gets a one star or sometimes he might up it to like a two, three, four, five. Um, but that was the first thing that I've been watching. I don't know how I've come across it. I don't know if I'd recommend it. It was definitely fun and entertaining, but it was a a bit of a weird one for me. And I thought I'd share it with you guys.
1: I love it. Uh, only five, five episodes. What I love even more is if you go to IMDb and look at one star reviews, it comes up and it has zero star reviews. Because obviously it hasn't received enough ratings, uh, which uh, is quite ironic, I thought.
0: Yeah, well, there's actually nine episodes that were out on on Neon. So I kind of just ended up binging it over a couple of days, just sort of on in the background. But it was one of those great TV shows where you could kind of do a bit of, you know, scrolling around social media, have it on in the background, have a bit of a, a, a laugh as well about some of these um, crazy situations going on. But if you're, if you're looking for a bit of a, a weird documentary, maybe check it out one-star reviews nice uh the next thing that i've been watching uh is a tv show that this is actually a rewatch for me but it's a rewatch from oh god what are we at least probably 15 years ago is the shield on uh, amazon prime so i've watched uh the, the seven seasons of the shield and i'm, I'm actually I've really gone in deep. In fact, I can't wait to start watching some more of it. Just about finished season two. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what the Shield is, this is. Uh, uh, it was on FX, I believe, in America, and it was a, a pretty hard, gritty um, cop show in LA, basically about some corrupt cops who kind of play a bit of a an interesting role where you often find yourself. Um, Vying for them to to win and succeed at what they're doing, but it's a it's a hell of a ride. It's another one of those TV shows which uh, is actually presented in four by three, so so it's got the, the square format. And I think one of the reasons it was done like that is to really give you that that fly on the wall type experience. Um, and it's it's just it's such a great show. And I think the first season came out in two thousand and two, but yeah, yeah like maybe from a filming sort of quality like uh, like Samaritan and then she found it a bit grainy and a bit sort of but I think that's, that's the vibe they were going for but this is still a, a top tier cop show and I'm absolutely loving this rewatch I've forgotten so many things and I'm all about it have you ever watched The Shield Paul?
1: No I haven't and it's it's one of those ones which is always there as a as a, as a recommendation you know people talk about The Wire The Shield what I'm most fascinated about is what Made you decide to go back and watch this one?
0: I I really loved it at the time when it came out, and I'm not sure what made like I see it on my Amazon Prime list all the time, and it, I was like, you know what, I'm going to watch an episode of The Shield. I'd sort of been thinking about it. I was really hoping that Samara was going to get in and watch it with me, but it just wasn't for her. Um, and now I'm just in, it's just hooked me in. It's one of those shows where you can't wait to watch the next episode. It's, it's really sort of character-driven. There's probably about, about eight sort of key characters in the show, and just sort of seeing their um, their rise and fall is, is such a fascinating watch. And I've always enjoyed a, a good sort of cop drama, and I think this just ticks all the boxes for me.
1: Nice. I, I know very little about it other than so many people recommend it, and the lead, um, Michael Schickless. Um I know him from, from Gotham. He was really good in Gotham, but... Uh, Interesting choice of rewatch. I'm, uh I, I'm look. I'm doing a rewatch as well as you know. So I think it's always if you're committing to seven seasons, that tells me something about it straight away. So that's great.
0: Yeah, look, it's, it's in the same category for me um, as The Sopranos, as The Wire. Um, previously talked about Six Feet Under. It's, this is a this is classic. I think early two thousands TV, and this is back in the era of when I think this is what this is the type of shows that made. TV the better experience in the movies and this is this is one of those for me so nice. I'm definitely going to be powering on through um, hopefully probably a couple of weeks I might be able to wrap it up but it'll be, it's going to be great and, I, and I'm, because I kind of vaguely remember some of the sort of key plot points it's going to be good and it's actually also inspiring me to get uh, back into Sons of Anarchy which would be a rewatch as well after this because it's you know a lot of the same actors um, Kurt Sutter was one of the, the writers on the shield. He obviously is behind Sons of Anarchy. So who knows? Who knows where this is going to go?
1: Sounds like a lot of re-watching going on, Dan. I'll be keen to see if you can keep it with new content.
0: There's always time. There's always time, Paul. Um, what else have I been watching? So the first two episodes of WandaVision came out uh, this past Friday, and – you know, it's been, as we talked about last week on the pod, pretty hyped, pretty majorly advertised around the place. Uh, when I went to see Wonder Woman 1984, it was even uh, on as a, as a trailer before that. It's getting a lot of airtime. Really interesting first couple of episodes. Interesting sort of looking on um, on social. A lot of people didn't like it, and a lot of people... Um, I think a lot of critics liked it, but a lot of fans were a bit uh, mixed about it. I think, like I was saying last week, I was prepared that this was going to be a little bit quirky, a little bit different. The first two episodes uh, are in black and white. If you've seen any of the footage, they play homage to a whole bunch of classic um, TV shows from the the fifties and sixties. I, Absolutely loved it. I think this is really, really quirky. They're doing something really different. Um, I think if you came into this expecting uh, Endgame, Scarlet Witch, or Vision, then you're definitely going to be disappointed. But I'm just really intrigued to see where they're going with this. I definitely give it two thumbs up. Different scale from the maybe you know Four Guns Akimbo. Uh, It's it's just something. It's it's unique. It's different. Um, Elizabeth Olsen I think is, is fantastic uh, Paul Bettany is also fantastic it's just it, it actually had a lot of laughs I think it will be interesting to sort of see this is obviously nine episodes and it's kind of been labelled as a mini-series so I, I don't know whether we'll get a second season or what it's all going to lead into but um, I think there's some really interesting things at play here and obviously this kicks off the the next phase of the the Marvel sort of universe
1: Interesting. It's it's interesting the the feedback as well, um, and I wonder what some of that feedback is is like. And I see it's obviously described as as action comedy, and the comedy element often can divide a lot of people. So um, this week, just jumping ahead to the newsroom, this week in New Zealand, Star Trek Lower Decks premieres, and I'm really looking forward, as you know, to watching that. But one of the things that's always in the back of my mind is, will will comedy work in this? in this universe that i love but i think the fact that it's an animated show i can separate it is is it the comedy element you think that's with this that sort of is turning some people off in terms of those people going in expecting end game and whatever
0: yeah well i I think what there's a couple of interesting things going on i think first of all they're not you know these are sort of two more niche marvel characters they're not your iron man's or captain america's They, they they're BTF is sort of offensive, but they're, they're they're not the they're they're probably less known about um in, in the mainstream, though they've got you know obviously a lot of comics and a lot of sort of background material on these guys. Um I think the Marvel universe has always sort of dabbled in a little bit of comedy, but the way that they're presenting um WandaVision is basically I guess my my assumption around it is is basically Scarlet Witch um, is is caught in some type of uh, s- something which is basically making her sort of you know fantasize about the the life that she she wanted to have with Vision and. We don't quite know. We know that there's some sort of there is some sort of big bad at play. We don't know who that big bad is yet, um, and I think we're going to sort of start to sort of see more of that in the coming episodes. We also know from the trailers that each episode looks like it's sort of going to jump forward a little bit in time. So eventually, it will move the colour. It will sort of move into the different sort of genres and so the first two episodes sort of really heavily sort of focused on that, that 50s, 60s uh, television whereas I think when we start to move into the the 80s and 90s it might start to feel a bit more familiar. I do think though it is uh, that, that sort of action comedy, like it, it's the first time I think Marvel Cinematic Universe fans are experiencing the sort of week-to-week content in a, in a slightly different way than they may be expecting.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised at all to 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 hear that sort of thing, and I think you're absolutely right. Without having watched much of the Marvel universe, I imagine going forward in time to the '80s, '90s, and more modern, I think that maybe people will get more into it and will, might be a bit more appreciative of it when they go back for a rewatch. But um, yeah, it, it's it's trending pretty high in terms of numbers of viewers, though for sure.
0: Oh, look, definitely. I think it's, I know a lot of people that were excited about it, a lot of people that watched it. I just think sort of my in, initial sort of scan of social media, people mm-hmm. were kind of a, a bit put out by by what they were experiencing. I'll tell you, Paul, the one thing that, that did shock me with this one is while I was watching it, you know when you often pause an episode to see how long you've got, and each episode had sort of a, a run time on Disney Plus of about 35-ish minutes. And actually what it turned out to be is, for example, the first episode was only actually twenty-seven minutes long, and the and I kept thinking, oh, there's going to be some like epic um, post-credit scenes, which is going to sort of start to connect up this whole universe. And it wasn't the, <laughs> the end credits just kept going and going and going, and then they got uh, translated into another language. And so it was it was quite shocking to be like, we've got a th- oh great, thirty-five minutes. There's still you know ten minutes to go, and then the credits roll, and it's just more credits. So. It was an interesting choice uh, by Disney the way they the way they pulled that together it's
1: it's interesting eh because with marvel you even someone like me who's kind of a casual fan I do expect a post credit scene though I expect it to as a thing so if you're going to make people sit through 7 minutes of credits and then to, to find nothing that can lead to to a bit of frustration I'm sure but I I from the face of what you told me i what i do like is the idea that marvel have gone out there and they've tried to be a bit different they've sort of like just do something a little bit different a bit weirder but you know they've been quite creative with it that sort of thing i think that's great
0: and i think you know what's always challenging is you know when you're watching you know that the age-old uh, argument that we talk about is do you drop all of this content at once or do you sort of drop it week by week and so for day one we got two episodes and I think you know the great thing with a show like this is it's going to keep people coming back and hope will hopefully coming back and keep sort of talking about um what they what they liked about it or what they didn't like about it but if nothing else it's going to keep it alive on on social media and I think the other thing people have to remember is once this finishes this leads straight into um the the Winter Soldier TV series so it's going to be pretty awesome and that'll be taking it to a whole different level all over again
1: there's a lot of Marvel, Disney content coming on our televisions over the next 12 months at least, isn't there?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then I'd say the the other things I've watched are actually shows that we've uh, got in common. So I might actually hand the the talking stick slash mic back over to you, Paul.
1: Cool. Okay, well, I've just got a couple of things. Um, the first thing I watched, so kind of like you watched your sort of um, TV documentary with one-star reviews, I watched a, a Netflix TV special um it's only an hour long and it is death to 2020 uh which is basically a very very dark comedy look back at uh 2020 which of course as we know is the year to end all years have you seen this one dan no i
0: haven't but i've heard a few people say it's quite a good little watch
1: yeah it is it's um it's the cast straight up is is really appealing and really good. We've got uh, we've got Lawrence Fishburne narrating uh, with like real deadpan, serious narration. Stars Samuel Jackson, Hugh Grant, Lisa Kudrow, um, Joe Kerry from Stranger Things. There's a whole bunch of people giving a very cynical, sarcastic, um, but uh, as if it were for real type performances, and I I kind of felt like I didn't want to watch it as i didn't need a rundown of why the last year was so shocking but then i also had fomo because everyone in my in my workplace seemed to be talking about it so i gave it a go and funny enough the first thing samuel jackson says when he's being interviewed right at the start is why in the hell would you want to do a documentary about 2020 And, and from that point forward it's pretty hard not to laugh throughout but at the same time feel a little bit bad about the fact that you're laughing at some truly terrible things that happened um but that said i, I would recommend it um the, depending on your disposition of how 2020 affected you i guess um it's it's actually amazing how many things happened last year beyond covid you know we got you know the australian bushfires there's a lot about trump um who i guess this is our first podcast to air since he's out of office so there we go um it, it actually in fact kind of loosely feels like Bore at 2 at times and uh, that there are so many you know ignorant Racists and generally selfish people that share that extreme trump mindset um but as samuel jackson reminds us in this uh, documentary despite everything 70 million people voted for him and maybe that's more shocking than covid but uh yeah it's uh like i say depending on your disposition and i would recommend it for anyone who has a very non-pc sense of humor because it's a it's a fascinating hour's watch
0: it's sometimes good to find those uh, little one off watches that's that's only an hour and you can you can sit down, watch it and kind of be done with it and move on to the next thing. So um I've I've heard many similar things that um I've heard a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people saying it's it's worth a watch, particularly for some of the as you as you mentioned, Paul, some of the big names that are in it. So mm-hmm. I might have to check it out at some point. But I, I think a bit like you, I don't know whether I need that reminder, but I think you've you've sold me enough on some of the positives that it could be worth a look.
1: And you and I both enjoyed Hugh Grant uh, when we saw him in The Gentleman. And uh, that was a very different role for him. This this particular uh, performance from Hugh Grant is also uh, somewhat different. He's presented in a very different manner to how you'd normally expect him. And it was really, really, uh, really satisfying if you enjoy that type of humor. Uh, what else have I got here? So, that's right. I watched uh, another movie this week. Um This was on Netflix, and this is The Midnight Sky. Uh, So this is a uh, a post-apocalyptic story, which I I think is always a good starting point for any genre. Um, It's about a lonely scientist played by George Clooney, and he's in the Arctic, uh, and he's desperately trying to warn um, a a team of astronauts being led by uh, Felicity Jones, uh, who are returning to Earth um, as the planet has suffered this global catastrophe and, you know, it's basically no longer safe to live on. And this, yeah, this movie ticked a lot of boxes for me. And I thought it was super, but to be clear, I do love movies that, uh, you know, as we said, post-apocalyptic have spaceships uh set in Antarctica or the Arctic or Alaska or Queenstown or anywhere with snow for that matter um have loads of cool space shots and are quite deliberately slow and that's probably the the key thing is that the pace of the movie is is really really slow but um you know this this movie has it all for me because you know we've got we've got Danny Ocean and Jin Erso as our leads um and there's plenty of jumpy scary moments as well what I don't know is why this movie has been slated so much, why it's scoring in like the low fives on IMDb. Because I'd say alongside Ocean's Eleven and Gravity, this this would easily be my my favorite George Clooney performance, and he's got a pretty you know big back catalogue. So yeah, I enjoyed it.
0: That's uh, yeah, that's interesting because I I've, I've noticed on IMDb in particular it, it doesn't have a great review, does it? it has got a mm a 5.6 and it's surprising isn't it because I think you know George Clooney isn't going to do a straight to Netflix movie and not produce something of quality so it's it's interesting about why these movies are maybe rated like this. I think that's something I quite enjoy about uh, Rotten Tomatoes sometimes is actually seeing the, seen the difference between the the critic of you and then the, the fan vote to see whether, not that that always tells a true story but just puts another lens over some of these things
1: Yeah, and, and Clooney directs it as well and I thought he directed it really, really well but it was it was more his acting that I appreciated he he plays this really withdrawn, dishevelled man full of regret, he's, he's, he's haunted by what's happened in the past, he's not sleeping well and then, you know everyone on the planet, you know, we think gets evacuated but then we found that there's this eight-year-old girl um, who's left behind as well. And um, this movie also features perhaps the greatest version of Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline ever seen in a movie before. It was a really unexpected change of pace midway through the movie, and it's then followed by a really intense action scene where the spaceship gets hit by like asteroids. Um, so the other thing I'd say about this, just quickly, is that it feels like the type of movie I could very easily and very soon do a second watch of. And that's not something I often do. I think last year the only movie I did that with, obviously excluding Star Wars, which you know I watch all the time, was The Irishman. That was the only other movie I think I watched. And I feel like I could already, like you know, I'm going to hop on a train tomorrow. I feel like I could already hit it, press play again. There's something about it that that's how much I rate this film that I could easily dive back into it because there's a lot I want to rediscover and um, sort of see in the background. It was, it really, it really, I don't know, really stuck with me this one.
0: I think that's a that's a really rave review. I think when you when you when you say you could watch it again, because I think as you say, a movie like that can often, you know, once you've had the reveal, or if it's a little bit slower, can feel like a real chore to watch again. So, look, if, if you're saying you're going to watch it again, boy, I, I better put it on my watch list to check out.
1: Yeah, if you like a if you like a slow pace, that's that's the key thing I would say for everyone, uh, and that's something that really appeals. But yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, yeah, other than that, Dan, I'm back into my medical soul. Season one rewatch, and the other thing is we're we're about halfway through uh, the the series on Netflix Bridgerton, uh, which is really good. So I will probably be finished and uh, review that one next week. But yeah, like you, everything else um, we've watched together. So should we dive into those?
0: Yeah, should we jump into the the Transformers first, which is uh, part two Transformers War for uh cybertron siege earthrise it's a half measure pool that was
1: it a is. real test you. for me to see if i could pronounce earthrise correctly this time weren't you so yeah, that's right. uh, yeah so this is second chapter as you say of war for cybertron just six episodes on netflix so you're looking at less than three hours in total you know to, to watch this whole second chapter and yeah before we jump in we will be talking spoilers so as always use the show notes if you want to jump ahead to movie of the week um and so that first chapter that you just mentioned Dan siege that's the one where you know we see cybertron's been ravaged by war and megatron tries to use the all spark and prime stops him from doing that earthrise takes place pretty much straight after this, right? And we have all the Transformers leaving Cybertron, you know, hunting down the Allspark, which ultimately leads to the Autobots and Decepticons eventually getting getting to Earth. So this was, this was a deep story-packed six episodes. There's a lot going on, I thought. There's a lot of different characters show up. There's a lot of toys that we may want to buy as a result. Um, overall, I had a, I had a great time, and probably more than anything else, This series delivered three key things that I wrote down here. One, it's that G1 faithful look and feel of the characters of all the iterations I've seen ever since I was a young lad and watched that first series. This is the one which really just hits all those notes. Uh, The second thing is the story reimagines elements of G1 uh which is quite nice homage but it explores them at a much deeper level and i guess you you know you could argue that most of the transformers series have done that but they they were quite faithful to some of that as well and the third thing is we've got a you know we've got a great voice cast that you can you know really you know allow you to form feelings and attachments with with these these characters so you know there's definitely a big focus on optimus and megatron um, I, look, I've got a whole bunch more I want to talk about, but Dan, what's your overall sort of take at a, at a summary level?
0: Yeah, I think you're right when you talk about the the G one love. I think this show, and I think we might have seen a, a similar thing with with the siege. This show really brings G one back to life for you as an adult and I think there's something in here for for young and old and I think, you know, just seeing some of those classic figures, the Starscreams, the Megatron, the, the Bumblebee, the Shockwave, it's so good and it's so good to sort of see them um, brought to life again. I feel like there was a couple of things um, which I, I guess surprised me and the first one is actually nothing even really to do with the show the first thing that sort of caught me off guard with Earthrise is it wasn't bundled together with siege and in netflix it was actually in, in its own category mm. and um i was kind of i was surprised like why am i looking at as this is sort of this is part two but it, and i don't know if that's just a, a weird netflix thing or, or what they were thinking but yeah it, it really threw me i think the other so, sorry. The other thing that um, <clears throat> I guess, like, like, I think, I, I overall, I, I enjoyed the series. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to see where it's going. I thought, given the title Earthrise, we would have actually got to Earth maybe a little bit sooner. And I think, you know, what you mentioned uh, before that there's a lot going on in those six episodes. It actually makes me wonder why is it only six episodes? I feel like they could have easily probably done a a ten episode show. Obviously, there's there's budgets and there's all sorts of things to take into account with that. But I think they had enough content, enough story to kind of probably flesh it out a little bit more for me.
1: Yeah, no. Look, you're absolutely right. There's there's a few things in there you said that um, I agree with, and I've got some sort of things that I struggle with, which I'll talk about, which are kind of aligned to yours as well. But um, yeah, I, I did notice what you talked about with Netflix having it. Like when you're watching it, sort of says. S one E one, which is very off-putting because you're like, no, 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 this is this is definitely the second chapter, not not the first chapter. Um, so uh, that was that was odd, um, but there was so much about this I enjoyed. That I think uh, my f- definitely my favorite line from this chapter had to be uh, when Red Alert looks up at Jetfire chasing the Decepticon jets, and he says. I'm glad someone on our side can fly which is of course is only possible because Jetfire has defected from Decepticon to Autobot and it's like a it's like this this nod to this whole situation that's always been that there's no flying autobots that started you know pathway through G1 which we I think we talked about uh, sometime last year which I thought was was really really funny right
0: he's got another great line too which i thought you were going to say and i i don't have it in front of me but something like i'm i'm always a loot or something and oh. it was it was so great it was it's so great. Such, a, such a great joke
1: and i think uh on reflection i was trying to think what was my favorite episode I, i'm i think for the whole chapter it would be episode five and that's the one where both megatron and prime are given these glimpses of their future and we see galvatron trying to alter megatron's path so that ultimately i guess he won't exist and then on the other side we see prime being shown his his death and again that's that's when i talked about the three things love this is the thing that's what i love about this is how true it is to g1 by you know keeping that sort of those core story elements and and then of course what's going to happen with the, the the 1986 movie i thought that was a a really nice touch
0: yeah I think it's gonna be really interesting I think what they do with uh, I guess the the next 60 episode arc of this because I feel like there's, there's quite a bit to cover and I wonder are we going to get continued arcs out, out of this or is this sort of a uh, encapsulated three three season six episode show because I feel like there's there's so many more stories I, I wanted to explore. I'm in, really intrigued for where we're going to go with uh, season three. Are we going to get ourselves some Rodimus Prime? Um I think there was some really I think one of my favorite one of my favorite actual uh characters of this season would have been uh probably probably Megatron and I, I think Megatron really just stood out for me uh this season as a as a as a great character, I think he had a lot of great lines. I think he had a lot of um, a lot of airtime that really sort of uh, brought him to life as not just the not just the villain, but also sort of understanding a bit more about what he's trying to do and, and his um, his goals, I guess. Which I think you know, there's, there's kind of that are we the baddies and mm-hmm. uh, sort of me uh, stuff going on on in there. But it, it was again. A special shout out as well to obviously Starscream. Always always love me some Starscream. And anytime we can get um Frank to Frank Todaro online is is a good day. So
1: yeah, no, for sure. Look a real highlight, just as always, air commander Starscream, looking to take command, right? At any given moment. I've I've actually been reading in the evenings some of the original 80s Ladybird books with my six-year-old daughter. And in every book without fail, Starscream does that. So it was great having him do that in in Earthrise as well. And It's really freaky, as you say, sort of hearing Frank Todaro's Starscream this time around when I'm so used to him introducing our podcast each week. He's amazing. And like I said, the cast all bring their characters to life. But I genuinely feel of all the voice actors, he's the one that just draws on just enough of that G1 Starscream while still making it his own, which is so good. And you're right. Also, shout out to Jason Manosha, whose Megatron, I think, is is also fantastic and is a real standout character in this this Earthrise chapter. I I also just really appreciated Galvatron's initial appearance, um, which was something of an homage to that 2D grid sequence from the the original movie. Um, And they actually did a few things. I don't know if you picked up on it. with the style and the design of the animation, which was very different and very deliberate to bring about a different feel at times, particularly when they're in that sort of, what was it? The, is it the dead universe? I've already forgotten what it was called. It was quite complex, but I, I really appreciated that. I thought it was well done.
0: Another character, which I actually really enjoyed is um one. And I think I've got, I've got to give a shout out as well to all of the the headshots that were going off when, you know, let, let's call them red shirts for the, for the sake of, um, for the sake of this show, but the the disposable Decepticons and, and Autobots, I guess for that matter, that were just taken out by by snipers was was fantastic. And I think Elita Al- Al- One and Jetfire, they actually made a a pretty much of a, a powerhouse uh, couple, I think, in this show.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I actually would have liked to have seen a bit more of that story, that side of the story. I felt like that those those guys had a story going on and it just didn't get enough airtime, perhaps. And you know, it would have been, as you said, it would have been nice to have a bit more um that that episode, um, yeah, you know, as I was talking about, that I really like with Prime and Megatron, sort of seeing their, their futures. That was also the episode with Skylink's, and I, I simultaneously really enjoyed the character. I felt like he had like a kind of like a, an old Last Jedi Luke Skywalker type wisdom in his scenes with Optimus, but at the same time, I am not a fan of the look and the design of Skylink's at all. It just it just does not work for me with that massive mouth talking like a duck it just it just doesn't work for me but you know it is what it is um what else oh you know just the simple things were, were just so satisfying same way of ejecting ravage you know you want to see it it happens it's great um i spotted um optimus and megatron dueling on the on the sherman dam just like they did in the original series and you know megatron feigning his weakness asking for mercy just like he does in 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 the g1 movie and i also as a fan of captain picard i really appreciated it when optimus said make it so i was like they you know (laughs) the writers must know what they're doing There, i just found that quite uh yeah quite quite funny
0: yeah it's a look i think it still does uh, Earthroy still does a lot of the things that Siege uh, did, for, did for us, by the sons of it, where you know it brings back that nostalgia factor and makes us uh, care about some of those those G1 characters, which you know for a lot of us who haven't just recently rewatched the whole entire G1 series, you know we haven't seen for what are we talking now, for forty years mm-hmm. since some of them, probably not quite 30, 35 years since some of that stuff's come out. So I think it it ticks a lot of those boxes. I just think. it just a lot of characters, a lot happening for a six-episode, uh, 20-ish minutes per-episode show. And I wonder, and I, I don't know whether um, you've been watching this with uh, your your kids, Paul, but have they sort of been like following following the story along? Has it sort of resonated for them?
1: Um, my son doesn't really get into it, but my daughter, who's, i say, six, and I kind of was borderline, should I be letting her watch this or not? And in the end, you know, bad parent won, and, and she watched it. Um I think she was following the the basic story. I think she was confused as to why, where all the all the characters were and you know why weren't they all together and and who was with who and I think she was struggling with some of that, but um overall she seemed completely taken by it um and i think when i sort of said there were some things i wanted to talk about that i struggled with the, the the first thing is that the story was perhaps a little too complex and that's almost an unfair comment from me because when i watch the other iterations of transformers i often say oh the story is too simplistic so you know i'm kind of you know uh, there's no making me happier in, in that respect but um yeah i there's as i said there's a lot of moving parts um and the other thing is and you and this is what you touched on as well is um the name earthrise i think i incorrectly made a little bit of an assumption and this may have been based on the earthrise toy line um you know all being the earth vehicles and cars and trucks and planes and so on i was just a little surprised about how late it was that they they got to earth um but i guess it looks like we're going to get that in the in the in the the third chapter so so that's fine um and the final thing whilst i'm having a rant and this is largely based at the toys not the series is like what's going on why why are we getting you know like trailbreaker and grapple and smokescreen and astrotrain earthrise characters and none of them are showing up if they did if tell me if i'm wrong but i didn't spot any of these guys so that i thought was a little odd i mean you know i may or may not have bought one or two of those and it's kind of like you look forward to seeing them in the show so that was a bit odd but um yeah
0: yeah, I, I think this, and again, this isn't a, a criticism of the show. It is almost a criticism of the, the toy line and I guess some of maybe Hasbro's decision-making around how they label some of this stuff because I think you're right, like it's it's quite confusing about what, what toys we're getting from the show, what are just sort of characters that they've decided to make because we know that they know they're going to be popular. Um, and it, I think when you're a bit of a a toy enthusiast and, and collector it makes it hard to kind of make your sort of purchasing decisions when you're not kind of sure how all of this connects together and um you know what what ones they are and aren't bringing out but i, I yeah it's an interesting one isn't it? because I, I actually kind of wish in hindsight that i actually rewatched siege and the build-up to this because i think it might have been a um, maybe a, a better experience because I, I think it still kind of threw me that it took me took me so long, and like you just said, to get to Earth. And I kind of had the impression that at the end of Siege, yes, there was, you know, a, a chase and so on, but we were kind of on the verge of, of basically getting to Earth and, and mm-hmm. getting into it. And I think it'll be interesting because are we going to get any humans in um, Season 3? I, I don't think we're going to
1: no based on where we where we see that uh we see Dinobot uh on earth who has some very advanced uh, transforming technology going on by the looks of him uh it looks as if we won't be seeing any humans so that also brings into uh question the 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 vehicle choice transformation choices of of the transformers which of course you know they're designed to fit into everyday everyday life so um so that'll be an interesting one the fact is i will continue to buy these toys but uh part of me wishes they did it like star wars you know how, like i'm thinking particularly like not not with the original trilogy but like with the sequel trilogy when the force awakens came out and i watched it i then went out and i bought the the 3.5 inch minifigures of, of the characters that i really wanted from that film and i kind of feel like i would love to have seen the the show and then had that opportunity would i have bought grapple i don't know
0: Mm-hmm. it's interesting too isn't it because i think there is actually netflix versions of the the transformers toys available and then there's obviously the the hasbro versions but we're we're probably really getting into a, a whole genre of we're not really specialists it's a real half measure even talking about it so um look we love we love the toys but it's it's it, it has muddied the waters of, of where some of these things sit and how they connect to the uh the, the streaming service, I guess.
1: Correct. Yeah. And I I could talk about it for ages. I did actually do a little bit of research about the the mercenaries as my memory isn't the best. But so these are those guys that are independent from Autobots and Decepticons. They're basically the pirates of Cybertron. You know, they're sort of earning allegiances to you know getting paid and they'll just flip sides to whichever one's most beneficial, which kind of Reminded me of that character DJ from Last Jedi, another Last Jedi vibe for me for the season, which I guess makes sense, getting that's the middle chapter of the trilogy. Um, and despite those things I've said, there was, a, there was a, a lot of things I really did appreciate character-wise. Like, I really like the inclusion of some characters that we may not have maybe expected to show up. So, like, we had Durge uh, as a mercenary. We had we had same Blaster and Buzzsaw. We had uh, Unicron. We had... Um, we had Omega Supreme when Mirage put up that hologram. We had Alpha Trion. Um, so, yeah, so, look, I felt like I was picking the holes before and I'm praising it all at the same time, but probably I would love more episodes. I'd love some longer chapters. I just want more of this War for Cybertron series because, as I say, it's, this is the most I've enjoyed Transformers since G1, and I think that's probably the highest praise I could, could ever give any sort of Transformers show, to be honest. So that's a that's pretty, re- uh, pretty good you know, review, I think.
0: And I think, you know, from thinking about the uh, review of the last season, uh, I remember saying something along the lines of it- – uh, Siege felt like a story which we've sort of we've heard before, and I think you know credit to them. I think they've actually taken it now into they're kind of making it their own. Obviously, you know they, they're still bringing characters back which uh, we all know and love, but I think there's a enough of a unique story here, and I think they're doing something really really different and special with it. And I, I think, like you, overall, if you're a Transformers fan, then I think you're really going to enjoy this. And uh, I, for one, I'm looking forward to season three as well.
1: That makes two of us for sure.
0: Well, Paul, should we move on to the movie of the week?
1: Indeed, we should. So each week Dan and I take it in turns to choose a movie and then we watch and review it and we post in our Discord channel uh, what what that movie is. So if you want to join our Discord community, you can uh, watch along with us and then listen to our review and see if you agree or disagree with us. And uh, this week, Dan we went with the movie Dark Waters.
0: We did indeed. So Dark Waters is a movie about a tenacious attorney who uncovers a dark secret that connects a growing number of unexplained deaths to one of the world's largest corporations. While trying to expose the truth, he soon finds himself risking his future, um, his family and his own life. And this is a movie that stars Mark Ruffalo, who some of you may know as um, Hulk. From or Bruce Banner from the Marvel Universe, uh, Anne Hathaway, Catwoman, uh, Tim Robbins, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, um, Victor Garber, who I best remember from uh, the Alias movies as um, as is the the dead. Yeah. But anyway, uh, this was a, a what is this movie? A, a thriller, uh, drama based on a true story. Uh, I, for one, I actually really enjoyed this movie, Paul, and I'll tell you what, it's one of those movies that, you know, really leaves you thinking and leaves you wondering, and, you know, there's all these people in the world that are worried about, you know, COVID vaccines and mm. uh, 5G and Microsoft you know, but I think this movie actually touches on something which actually impacts every single person. And so the the basic premise of this whole show is uh, this, the lawyer, uh, Mark Ruffalo, is basically facing off against uh, DuPont, uh, a company, a huge company in America. And one of the products that they actually make is Teflon. And so if you think about Teflon in a frying pan, and it's actually the runoff from their is it, it their their factories and their labs are basically causing damage to to a farm and impacting uh, this, the stock and impacting impacting people in their lives and you know one of the the quotes which really stuck with me um, I think at the end of this film is that something like ninety nine percent of all live, living organisms on Earth today have some form of like Teflon. And their is it their bloodstream or or some sort of some something, and so and there's all this sort of work that actually happens around you know creating all these um, new products, but actually the regulations and the testing around them isn't always maybe as thorough as the everyday person might imagine. And look, well, I thought this was a a fantastic story, and I think it did a really good job of of bringing it to life in quite a, a exciting way.
1: Yeah, look, I. Where do I start with all that? I I said last month we 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 watched and reviewed Bombshell, so you know, in classic half Measure style, you know, a true story, and once again, as I said then, I feel like it's one of those movies that literally everyone needs to see, and as you touched on, as you learn at the end of this movie, you know, these chemicals are just they're in all of us. So this this C eight pfoa the the the, these guys created the most toxic forever chemicals in the world and now as you say they're in our frying pans and paints and as you say just 99 percent of all humans have it in them too and so what i learned watching this is that you know it's, it's it's based on decades of documented cases in in court and the 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 DuPont records that they, they tried to hide and, and so on and so on. So it's not a, it's not like someone's you know, like you know, putting in a, a bit of a, an agenda out there and saying, Oh, you know, maybe this is a thing. It, it, this is fact. And it's, it's, it's really, um, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a feel good movie. So this, uh, I should touch on this. Actually, this is actually I'd never heard of this. This is actually a movie that Diana had suggested for us as, as movie of the week. Um, she listened to a podcast and had uh, heard an interview um, with with Mark Ruffalo. And um, so, going into this, I had no idea. You know, it was very tense for me watching because I didn't know how the story ended. I didn't know whether he was even alive or whether he was successful if the company beat beat him in, in everything and um it's uh yeah it's it's really quite powerful as you say sort of uh, watching this and um you know as as rob Billet says in the in the movie the quote i oh, got here i really liked it. the system is rigged they want us to believe that it'll protect us but that's a lie we protect us nobody else not the companies not the scientists not the government us and um you know it's i also read some interesting trivia which was um that um after the the week that this movie aired uh the dupont's stock price dropped by a record number of points um and you know the fact that this company is still well and truly in existence and have done these things is uh is just shocking so um yeah this was a really really interesting movie of the week
0: I think what was really interesting about it for me is so the the lawyer that Mark Ruffalo plays, he actually starts off in the in the movie as a, a lawyer for um, big chemical companies, and he he's and he basically completely switches suit so, uh, throughout the movie, where he actually ends up going after his clients. And I think there's something really powerful in that. And he has to convince uh, Tim Robbins, his, um, who plays his boss, that. His law firm should actually go against their point. and you know that's. I think what, what is always I think uh, both awe-inspiring and amazing about some of these stories how you know when it sort of becomes um, just a couple of people going against the system and actually making a difference and not knowing necessarily that you know this is you know this this could have been a, a career-ending experience mm-hmm. for. Um, uh, Mark's character, but it's it's it turned into something like so important. There's such an important story to tell, and I think probably you know to your point, probably not enough people know about this sort of story, right? Like unless you genuinely kind of um, went and sought out the movie or knew something about this, but I think this is something that people should watch. Was that thinking about these things is important. Like it is important for our future. It's important for um, our children. It's important to kind of know what we're what some sort of these big corporations are are doing. Not to say that everyone's, I guess, evil and, and out to out to do wrong, but I think there's some byproducts of some of these things that happen that I think just, you know, people kind of are exposed to. Um and has some pretty dire consequences.
1: Yeah, definitely. Diane and I were talking about it afterwards they were saying, you know, when these these movies come out, how many stories are there out there where the people do get you know defeated or beaten down and and their careers wrecked and and we don't hear those stories where they've tried to do a, a similar thing it's kind of a it's it's quite uh yeah, it's quite depressing when you think about it like that but this this certainly was a i guess a a good story i wonder when you know because you and i haven't heard it, i wonder maybe in the states maybe it was a, it was a lot more well known perhaps for particularly people in the virginia um just quickly, I um, the director Todd Haynes. He hasn't done a great deal. The only thing I've seen that he's done is I'm Not There, which was the the Bob Dylan biopic. But I thought he did a a really really good job with this movie. And and also just to touch on Matt Ruffalo, I I really feel like i would you know if we're doing a peak performance on him i could give it to you right now i I think he's his performance is number one for me in this movie and i put it right up there with like shutter island and and the last castle as as his best performance but i put this one at number one i thought he was really really convincing and as you say he portrayed this character over a long period of years um really really effectively i thought they they managed that quite well in terms of the look and feel because we're talking about you know a Number of decades that this movie set across, and of course the technology and the vehicles and all these things have to change throughout. There was a lot about this movie, putting aside just the story, just in terms of the the, the visuals and and the cinematography. I thought was was really really good in this one. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, look, I completely agree, and I think it had a had a great cast. Um, and I, I'm with you, like Mark Ruffalo did a, a great job, especially when I feel like the the more recent things. I have seen him in as, is as Bruce Banner as the Hulk and kind of to see him as a bit more of a um, mild mannered, I guess, character. Like obviously he's still got a bit of grip behind him because um, I think once, you know, he is, he is a lawyer, but it was a, it was just a, a great watch. And I think it was a movie that I think you've got to be in the right headspace to watch something like this. It's not just one that you can easily chuck on and go about living your life. But I think, it's a movie you want to watch, you want to think about. And, you know, a movie that always sort of, I guess, gets you to do a little bit of additional research is always quite interesting as well. Um, I guess it kind of reminds me of, I guess, what's going on in um, Flint in America with some of the water and stuff. And I, I, it sort of feels like one of those sort of stories. Or, uh, you know, in an Aaron Brockovich type, type way, you know, like those sort of stories about how to sort of um, fight the system. But, no, I think this is a – this is a great, a great pick. I, I really enjoy it. Yep. Good
1: Job, Diana. Yeah, no, definitely. And it, look, if you if you watch it and you're interested, there's a lot of awesome videos with, Matt Ruffalo and the real life, Rob Bilott. And um, I I really enjoyed his character having a, like a silent cameo in the movie, which they then sort of show in the credits. It was it was quite nice. And some of the the family of, uh, those affected by the the water pollution. Um, and of course, Matt Ruffalo is is very active, you know, environmentalist and human rights advocate. And so, I guess it's no wonder he took this movie on. You know, his social media is really focused on doing good. And I feel like I've got to know him a bit beyond the fact that you know he's the Incredible Hulk, which I really enjoyed.
0: Indeed, indeed. Top pick. I'm going to do to, uh, make sure I keep the bar high for this week's uh, movie of the week.
1: Important. Probably not going to happen.
0: I'm probably something terrible. <laughs>
1: All the guns are Kimbo for that one.
0: All oh, the guns. All the guns. Okay, so it must be time for a little bit of news. So this week, what have I got in the newsroom? So, Paul, I know you're a fan of Snowpiercer. And so uh, Snowpiercer Season 2 is um, about to come out. And it's already been renewed for Season 3, which you might be pleased to hear. So a good uh, three seasons of that show. Um, eventually, maybe more, but it's it's good because I know this had a bit of a, a, a rocky start um, after the movie um, back in oh, when was that movie back in two thousand and thirteen or something, um, and there was a, a lot of sort of issues around you know how they were going to make the TV show what, what the script was going to look like, who was going to make it, but the fact we've got three three seasons now um, is is really great news.
1: I, I really love that locked in because you know we talked about so many times we get nervous about committing to a show and then it just cancels after a season so that's 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 great real confidence I love that
0: Uh, it looks like Peaky Blinders is going to come to an end with season six but um, so we're going to get one more season and then it looks like we might even get a movie to wrap the whole series up which is uh, pretty exciting and it looks like the the show creator always had a a movie in mind as a way to to wrap up the story which is pretty exciting. Uh, Peaky Blinders is one of those real top tier TV shows so if you haven't seen it I highly recommend checking it out Nice um, this is going to be a bit of a weird news, which could um, probably going to date itself by the time this episode airs. Um, but it looks like, obviously, by the time you're listening to this episode, um, President Biden uh, will be the new president of the United States. Uh, but obviously, there's some, there's some pardons that are going to happen um, before that time. And one of the pardons which uh, is being advocated for, and I'm only bringing this up because it's got a, a TV connection, is Joe Exotic from Tiger King. His legal team has been petitioning Donald Trump for a pardon. And Joe Exotic himself, the Tiger King, um, apparently his lawyers have a limo ready to pick him up from jail if he is pardoned by Donald Trump. So by the time you're listening to this episode, you'll be able to verify this bit of news for yourself. But if it does happen, crazy. What a wild world we live in.
1: I Again, because it hasn't happened yet, there's a number of pardons which I'm just thinking is this really going to happen? Uh, surely he's not going to pardon him, himself or his children, but uh, so, so does this mean we could get more Tiger, Tiger King?
0: Well, look, I, I wouldn't be anti Tiger King season two or even uh, just Tiger King, the, the jail episodes. I imagine there's some fascinating stories to be told in there, but at the same time, if this part. <laughs> I just go, I don't even know. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about this case and whether he should or shouldn't be pardoned. But just in the, in the wild world we live in, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Watch this space, I guess. Amazing. Two other bits of news. So we mentioned a few episodes ago that um, Marvel is moving forward with another one of their uh, – TV shows, which is going to be Moon Knight. And they, it looks like, which is going to be starring uh, Oscar Isaac as as Moon Knight. And it looks like they've cast Ethan Hawke as the potential villain in the show, which is pretty awesome. I'm really looking forward to an Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke team up. Uh, It should be a a really awesome show.
1: Both actors are great. I haven't seen Ethan Hawke in a while. So that's that's a treat. I love him. He's great.
0: Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So... um, What is my final bit of news here? Okay, so it looks like there is a a comedy reboot um, in the works. So it looks like um, Seth MacFarlane may have convinced Liam Neeson to reboot a comedy classic. And what is that comedy classic you asked? Naked Gun. Oh, my word. And so it, it looks like it's still sort of an early talks, but I think the, the fact that um, Seth MacFarlane is, is talking to Liam Neeson about it is, is, is interesting. I know that uh, Liam Neeson, has, he's got a new action film uh, due to come out pretty soon, I think, and I, I know that he's looking to retire from the, the action genre. But there's a great quote here uh, from Liam Neeson that says, I've been approached by Seth MacFarlane and Paramount Studios to maybe resurrect the Naked Gun films it'll either finish my career or bring it in another direction i honestly don't know
1: <laughs> that's a great response i love that i just think it would be great it's that that's how the humor was great at the time i i would be keen to see more of it and i will watch liam Neeson in anything so how can it possibly fail
0: yeah, yeah. Look, I, at first I was like, I'm not sure we need this, but the, the more I thought about it, the more I actually thought, you know what, Liam Neeson could actually really pull this off. I think he's got that sort of dry, perfect humour that could really make this work. But um, that's all from me on my news this week. Paul, have you got any uh, tidbits for us?
1: Uh, the only things I have here, I was quite excited, and I will definitely be trying to get my kids to watch this, Uh, So Disney Plus is bringing the Muppet Show to its lineup, the original Muppets. Amazing. Yeah, the original run from 1976 to 1981, all five seasons, uh, which, uh, you know, I grew up with. And, you know, just I'm thinking now about some of the classic episodes they had. The one that always sticks out, of course, is is Mark Hamill. Um, But there's so much else there that I just, I wonder, will it have stood the test of time? I don't care. I'm going to watch it anyway. (laughs)
0: I think it's going to be fantastic, and I, I like you, grew up on the Muppets, and I imagine it's probably quite edgy. I have watched a few episodes of the the new season of the the Muppets on uh, Disney Plus, and it's quite tame, uh, but it's still got a couple of couple of a couple of good sort of jokes and laughs in there. So, I imagine the original is going to be a good time.
1: Nice stuff. Um, the other one I had here it should be good news for you, Dan um, Ted Lasso has been renewed for season two. I actually saw that news broke by Jonathan Frakes, who plays Commander Riker in Star Trek, which I thought was an unusual place to be getting my news. Um, But this is a show that's on my list to still watch. And I'm thinking, you know, if I can find a way to to watch this, I will definitely do so. But yeah, season two, that's great. Uh, I don't think I have anything else that you haven't already brought up, Dan. So that's... That's all from me. I will take us across to the mailbag. Uh last and listeners will be pleased to note that I will not be breaking into song this week. Uh, last week, uh our movie of the week was Underwater, and we had no less than the director himself, William Eubank. Uh he liked our post on Twitter. We had the editor of the New York Times. Okay, there's a dramatic pause there. The editor of the New York Times Modern Love column, <laughs> Daniel Jones, uh, he also liked our Twitter post for the, the series I talked about last week. It wasn't quite the editor of the New York Times. it's the editor of the column, but, you know. Um, we also had um, Caitlin McGee uh, like it as well. She was when, she was the actress in the the episode with um, Dev Patel, so that was nice. Uh, we had Titus Welliver, who plays Bosch, and we had uh, Madison Lynn. Uh, who plays his on screen daughter maddie bosch uh, like our top 10 posts for bosch we had uh, michelle Hurd, who plays raffi in picard share our top 10 tv posts for picard and dan your review of uh, the novel oe written by new zealand author becky manor too we had the the publisher's posted their thanks on our instagram page they commented that they didn't expect their novel to feature on a film podcast and that they listened to the full podcast and they got some good recommendations so i think you know you've got to enjoy the book dan and now they get to hear about you know cobra kai season three and and underwater and, and all that so that's a nice little transaction now I like that
0: i think that's awesome and i i for one can't wait to see this as a uh, I don't know whether it'll be Netflix. Maybe it'd be more like a, a Neon um, or Amazon Prime uh, TV adaption. Like, it'll be awesome.
1: Nice. We'll be there for that one for sure. Uh, oh, and finally on on that novel, um, the, the person who did that awesome cover art for the book, um, Penny Howard, she also shared our review with her followers and she has started following us on social media too, so that was nice. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about from the mailbag was, as always, uh, our peak performance um for for Tom Cruise so we had uh, Jason and Sarah uh not sure where from but from somewhere in New Zealand they went with cocktail um completely forgot about that one uh we had Jamie from Beechwood in Ohio uh went with Top Gun and as always uh Paddy from Time Traveling Tank gave us his his 321 which was just like us Tropic Thunder uh the last samurai and a few good men, which is a movie I think I always overlook his uh, Tom Cruise's performance in because I always get so fixated on on Jack Nicholson. So, um, so so there we go. That's the mailbag. If you'd like to be in it next week, then just you know, get in amongst our social media at Half Measures Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: I really appreciate Patty's commitment to every week chiming in with 321. I just think it's fantastic, and I love to hear whether I'm going to be in sync with Patty or whether I'm going to be slightly out of sync. And I think those are some good mentions of movies because, you know, I think you're right. You often think about some of those other characters, for example, in A Few Good Men, but uh, it's probably a, a movie that probably deserves a rewatch, I imagine. It's been a very long time since I've seen it.
1: To be fair um because I did I did say last week when we you know how you and I were talking about Tropic Thunder being you know is there anyone else can think of any better cameos out there Paddy came to the rescue once again he gave us his 321 for cameos um and in third place he had Tom Cruise Gwyneth Paltrow Kevin Spacey and Danny DeVito in Austin Powers gold member uh, in second place Billy Idol in The Wedding Singer that's classic I remember that number 1 this is a good shout was Charlton Heston in Wayne's world too. Um, So that was a pretty unlikely cameo when you think about it. So um, good, good shape, Patty.
0: Awesome. Well, that must bring us on to our peak performances. So much like our uh, movie of the week, each week, Paul and I take turns uh, choosing a different actor or actress and we choose their, their peak performance. And this week we are going to go with Kevin Costner, Da-da-da. So, Paul, you, would you like, you would you like me to go first? You take, it away, yeah. take it away. All right. So, uh, Kevin Costner feels like one of those actors that I think, particularly in my teenage years, had a new movie out just about every year. That's probably not quite true, but I, I feel like he was a real staple of my, of my teenage years. And he, he's got some really fantastic movies in his back catalogue. Uh, and I, surprisingly, I actually found it quite hard choosing my top three. Um, and I know that, you know, he gets a lot of a lot of hate from movies like Waterworld, but I, <laughs> I actually think Waterworld's a, a pretty good movie. Unfortunately, doesn't make it to my top three. All right, 3-2-1 for me, just to keep it short and sweet. Number three is the 1991 movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So uh, this was... I, I've always been a, a Robin Hood fan, love the TV show growing up, love the movies. Mm. I think you know th- this movie is actually s- super long. It's two hours and 23 minutes and it feels like one of those movies that just sort of keeps going and going and going. but uh, as far as Robin Hood movies goes, always always one that I've enjoyed. Number two. Is Dances with Wolves. So this was a nineteen ninety movie. And talking of long movies, this one comes in at three hours and one minute. So there is actually a director's cut, I believe, as well. So there is an even longer version of this film. And I remember I've seen this movie probably at least half a dozen times uh, growing up, and I just remember it being such a an epic, great story. I guess I would have been God, what. Eleven or twelve, maybe when I, when I first watched it. Um, but it's I know people. I was talking to somebody the other day who talks about this as their as their favourite movie. I think it, it's got those sort of qualities about it, which um, it's not a movie you can. I, I think you can easily sit down and watch, but it it, it is a classic. But my number one is the nineteen ninety two movie, The Bodyguard. So this is where. <laughs> This is where Given um, uh, Costner's character plays a bodyguard and he's uh, protecting Whitney Houston. And there's that amazing Whitney Houston power ballad in there. Don't worry about um I will always protect you. And if you think about a young Daniel Whiting practicing Mm. his crane kicks from Karate Kid, a young Daniel Whiting will also kick indoors and protect you like a bodyguard if you need it. And I remember, you know, even just looking at this movie on IMDb at the moment, it's got a a 6.3 out of 10. So it's clearly got some, some murky reviews, but, I'm not going to ever rewatch it because I want to hold it in that special place in my mind that this was a an epic, epic movie about being a bodyguard. And I think at the time, you know, maybe if I'd grown out of wanting to be Luke Skywalker, being a bodyguard would have been my, my next, um, next choice and career choices. So yeah, that's me. It's a uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Dancers with Wolves and the bodyguard. How about you, Paul?
1: Uh, absolutely incredible. And this 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 young Daniel whiting I feel like the, someone should draw up a persona for this guy because, yeah, I've so, I've also seen photographic evidence of you essentially becoming Batman from uh, you know the nineteen eighty nine Batman. We've got you with all your Transformers stuff, your He-Man stuff. We've got the Cobra, oh, we've got the karate Kids, sorry, and now we've got also the bodyguard. It's quite a persona that's been drawn up here. Uh, nice three, two, one, Dan. And my my three choices may be a little unexpected. As I have actually, I've really enjoyed a lot of his recent work and I really rate him as a lead actor at an older age. So I, like you, went and started going through all the older movies and thinking, oh, there's some great movies in here. And then I started thinking about some of the more recent stuff and I actually surprised myself. And I love his cameo roles as well. So I, I just wanted to share that quickly. Jonathan Kent in the recent DC movies with Superman, uh, the latest Jack Ryan movie, you know, but my 3-2-1, 2019 movie the highwayman this is the story of the two texas rangers that uh, hunt down you know bonnie and clyde and i just thought that the chemistry he had with woody harrison was superb and the, the movie as a whole was a really interesting take on the whole bonnie and clyde story and some keen listeners may recall that this movie actually won of our half measures oscars for 2019 as well dan so i guess it's no surprise that it did make my list after all um second place I will see your three hours and one minute and I will raise you three hours, nine minutes. And it is the 1991 movie JFK um, where Costner stars as the, as the DA who's looking in a little bit deeper into the, the assassination of of president Kennedy. And even as a teenager back in 91, I remember enjoying this, this three hour plus movie and, you know, Costner is the happy of it alongside Gary Oldman and and Tom and Jones and, um, of all the older movies that was the one that probably would be if you'd said to me which one do i want to go and watch today that would be the one um but my number one is again a really modern movie slated online and it is 2016's criminal this is a superb movie and i implore everyone to watch it it is so underrated um, I don't know why. That's another podcast for us, Dan. Underrated movies and why the world should watch them. There's another idea for us. Criminals, it's about uh, a dead... CIA operatives' memories, secrets, and skills that are implanted into Kevin Costner, who plays a death row inmate, in the hopes that he can go out and complete the operative's mission. Now, if you can, if you can accept that that is a thing that can happen, just if you can accept that, you're going to be fine with this movie. If you can't get past that, then yeah, don't bother. But it's really good, and the supporting cast, once again, funnily enough, are, are Gary Oldman and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, so the three of them reunited uh, some 25 years after JFK. But um, yeah, high women. JFK and Criminal. Unlikely choices, I surprised myself, but that's my three, two, one done.
0: These There's some great shouts in there. I've actually never heard of Criminal or, or seen it. So I look, that whole premise sounds pretty fascinating to me. There's actually a show um, out at the moment on Neon in New Zealand called Yellowstone, which um, stars Kevin Costner. It actually looks pretty interesting. Um, I might have to check it out at some point. But I think, you know, Kevin Costner... Always plays a a great cop slash cowboy type character. I don't know if you remember him from uh, Wyatt Herb, another fantastic Western. Um, He was a fun character to sort of character, a fun actor to go back and sort of look through his back catalogue and some some great movies in there.
1: And I feel like this is going to sound harsh, but I feel like he looked a lot older when he was younger because, like, when he was in, like, you know, JFK and Bodyguard, he was younger than you and I are today. And I felt like that. He was always much, much older. And like even right now as we speak, he's 65. And I just felt like I, I'm a, I'm just amazed. I just always thought he was maybe so I feel like he should have a lot more movies ahead of him. And as I say, as at this age, at an older age, I think as a lead actor, I really rate him. I think I would be really keen to see him flagshipping a few more movies, to be honest.
0: I for some reason, I'm just sort of looking through his his back catalog wouldn't be surprised to see if um you know one of our listeners puts the the untouchables as well mm. um where kevin Costa plays mm. um elliot elliot Ness, uh, so many great movies yeah i i remember as all watching a perfect world like ah uh, anyway I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of these i think it's
1: Unt- it's a good choice untouchables was the one i was weighing up um between the high and, and untouchables for the third spot and in the end it it was a close call
0: good choice well Paul that just about brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures Podcast
1: it does indeed thanks once again to Time Travelling Team for sponsoring this week's episode and as I said you know if you want to get into the conversation get on our social media get to halfmeasurespodcast.com and you can click the link in the show notes if you would like to join our Discord community and join in the chat there as well
0: also a special shout out to our Patreon producers of the show Samara King and Trisha Brady if you too would like to become a Patreon then check out the show notes below but until next week everyone adios